Xbox On. Hello and welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of July 4th, 2019, including Studio Remedy has acquired the publishing rights to their game Alan Wake from Microsoft. A new PUBG game is in development, and the latest DLC for Cuphead has been delayed. All that and more, so stay tuned. Again, a special thank you to everyone who has checked out the show thus far. I honestly can't believe the show has more than two or three listeners, so thank you very much, whoever you are. And please don't tell me all the clicks I've gotten so far are just pity clicks from my mom and my girlfriend. And if you're listening via YouTube, don't forget that all the links for all your favorite podcast services can be found in the description below, so please humor me and just subscribe. Finally, before we get started, last week I promised that iTunes availability was on the way, and this week I am proud to announce that Xbox On is officially available on Apple's podcast service for all of you Apple users out there. So go ahead and download my show on your beautiful coral-colored iPhone XR and leave nice reviews that will leave both your mother and mine proud. Of course, for those of you watching on YouTube, links to subscribe via iTunes are also in the description below. So, oh, one more thing. I lied a little bit. I have one more piece of housekeeping to take care of. To clarify on something from last week's show, I made the point that Halo and Gears of War are seemingly less impactful than they used to be in terms of both their critical success, their commercial success, and kind of just the uh, public awareness in, in reception to those brands, if you will. What I mean when I say this is that, yes, I recognize both of those franchises are still extremely popular in that they sell very well, they are still generally received well critically, and yes, they have very passionate fan bases. By no means are these niche games that are in danger of going away because sales are low and people just don't care about them. But what I mean is they are definitely not what they used to be they've definitely fallen from grace not in the sense that these newer halo and gears games aren't good anymore but in the sense that the modern gamer is more concerned with games like sekiro and red dead redemption and whatever the hell people are playing uh these days and games like halo 5 certainly don't leave the cultural impact the games like halo 3 left that's not me saying i think halo 5 is a better is a worse game than Halo 3. In fact, I think Halo 5 and Halo 3 are both my two favorite Halo games and sometimes I can't decide which one I like better. I enjoy all these games, but there's no denying that in the modern era of the PlayStation 4 where the PlayStation 4 is so dominant and where the conversation in gaming just isn't as focused on Xbox as it once was, you can't deny that these franchises just don't have the same sting and punch they once had. To be clear on something, someone told me that I was incorrect in saying that Halo 5 somewhat underperformed for what it was, and games like the 2018 God of War haven't sold nearly as well as Halo 5. To clarify on that, I fact-checked 2018 God of War has surpassed 10 million units sold, and Microsoft, on the other hand, hasn't been releasing uh, specific data about Xbox hardware or software in years. Instead, they used to make up these vague statistics like 
the hate like for example when halo 5 came out they said something like it was the most successful halo launch ever which is a little ambiguous because they're talking about you know like in-game purchases and various editions of the game and console bundles and they weren't really just saying like hey this game is i don't know maybe it tapered off after the first week of sales or whatever or it didn't sell nearly as well as halo 3 and 4 they just said biggest halo launch ever i mean who knows what that means maybe that just means it's first 24 hours it sold better than any halo game ever and then what happened after that did it fall off hard who knows microsoft doesn't really release that information anymore but anecdotally we can kind of detract that halo 5 certainly hasn't left the mark that some previous halo games have left mainly you know halo 1 2 3 reach odst those kinds of halos that came out in a time where you know people were super passionate about that franchise anyway the point being just a little fact checking something to kind of pat me on the back this isn't a fanboy argument by any stretch of the imagination i'm not trying to say god of war 2018 is a better game uh in fact although i really enjoy that game and love it dearly i'm still a halo fanboy i'm just trying to say that the facts are what they are and we can't dispute them despite how much we love one thing over another i mean there's just no denying that the gears of war and halo franchises have just waned in popularity and that just is what it is anyway let's uh stop this tirade and get on with the news, okay? All right, this week our news is a little on the short side. We have fewer stories than usual, but uh, I'll try to stretch them out as long as I can and tire you to death so that we can get this show to the 40, 50 minute mark. Just kidding, we will let it be what it is. All right, our first story is actually, in my opinion, kind of a really notable one. So Remedy, the studio behind the original Max Payne games, Alan Wake, uh, famously uh, on the Xbox 360, um, and then more recently, um, quantum break on the xbox one uh and then of course they have their upcoming upcoming game control which is their first game in quite some time that isn't an xbox exclusive they have acquired the publishing rights for alan wake the popular xbox 360 ex exclusive now to clarify on the story remedy already owned the ip for alan wake microsoft never owned that ip however microsoft did own the publishing rights to the game so what that means is remedy wasn't able to put that game on other platforms or kind of do what they will with it in terms of sharing that IP with non-Xbox platforms. Now that Remedy does own the IP, they could they could possibly put Alan Wake on PlayStation 4 if they wanted to remaster it. They could make a sequel to Alan Wake and put it on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. Hell, they could make an Alan Wake twin stick shooters for Nintendo Switch. Who fucking knows? The point is, they now own the IP. And the reason why I think this is really interesting is because throughout the Xbox 360, in the first half of the Xbox One days, Remedy was very closely associated with Microsoft. In fact, they were, in my opinion, Microsoft's insomniac. And what I mean by that was, of course, Microsoft never owned Remedy. It was never like a 343 or a coalition where this was their studio that made this specific franchise or franchises for Microsoft hardware exclusively. But they were so closely intertwined that, of course, you know, as as they would want you to believe on Microsoft's part, Remedy and that kind of brand and their kind of games were just so closely associated as Xbox games. Um, and with that, I really always thought that if Microsoft was going to acquire more studios, Remedy would have been the perfect studio for them to add to their roster. In fact, last year when Microsoft acquired all those studios and announced them during E3, I was fingers crossed the whole time during that announcement segment. Uh, please tell me Remedy's on the list because I really quite enjoy Remedy. Uh, I, I kind of interpret them as like Microsoft's Naughty Dog. I think their third-person action games are incredible Are incredible in terms of gameplay. I think they're extremely fun. They're extremely innovative, uh, very well-polished, and they always offer very interesting mechanics. And in the case of games like Alan Wake and Quantum Break, um, I 
I think their stories were super interesting. Honestly, Quantum Break, easily one of the most underrated games of the Xbox One generation. I mean, even I'm a little guilty because I came to it late. I didn't play the game until like two years after it came out. But I mean, I can't recommend that game enough. The, the ambition they had to meld the live action video segments with the gameplay and the story of, of the actual just standard game itself uh, could have gone wrong a million ways but somehow I mean if you've played Quantum Break you know this they somehow pulled it all together and the game was pretty fantastic honestly I can't I again I cannot recommend Quantum Break enough and so anyway when Microsoft was announcing you know these studio acquisitions back in 2018 I was fingers crossed you know Remedy joins the roster that will help them kind of fill that gap in their portfolio that's Phil Spencer's always talking about um, you know the kind of Uncharted or Last of Us I know many people might say that Remedy doesn't make games with the emotional and uh, impact story-wise as like a Last of Us uh, type game but I would argue that Remedy is I mean on their own merit is a fantastic studio that makes fantastic games, both gameplay and story-wise. And I think they push boundaries and I think they look good uh, or would look great in uh, Microsoft's portfolio. But all tangents aside, again, this story clearly shows that that's not something that's ever going to happen. And even this past E3, we got news that a few more studios were joining the Xbox family. And again, Remedy wasn't in that list. Um, But I mean, obviously, by this point, no one should have been expecting that because uh, we all know Remedy's imminent game control is actually going to be on PlayStation 4. It's a a multi-platform game. Uh, In fact, it was announced on Sony's E3 stage a year or two ago at E3. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Remedy is third party and they're definitely not as close as they once were with Microsoft. I, if I had to guess, I would assume that has something to do with soft sales and soft reception on Quantum Break. I don't know if maybe Microsoft was unhappy with Remedy or if Remedy was unhappy with Microsoft or if it was a mutual agreement, but that partnership and that kind of close-knit uh, relationship those two companies had seems to seems to not be there anymore. Um, and honestly, I think that's a little sad in the regards of Xbox having that strong portfolio because I really think Alan Wake and Quantum Break and, and these games were very much needed in the Xbox portfolio. They weren't first-person shooters. They weren't racing games, uh, and they just they filled a void that Xbox really needed. Now, what is also interesting about this is what this means for the future of Remedy. I mean, the fact that Control was announced at Sony's press conference and the fact that this announcement, uh, this news of Alan Wake uh, being being completely controlled and operated by Remedy now makes me wonder, you know, is Remedy going to start getting closer and closer with Sony? Uh, and what kind of implications does that have? Um, I mean, Honest, I understand from a business standpoint why you'd want to be close with Sony. They're the top dog right now. The PlayStation 4 is sold incredibly well. There's way more opportunity to make money on PlayStation than there is on Xbox if you're strictly judging off install base. So I completely understand that on Remedy's part. However, you have to wonder, in such a competitive field such as the PlayStation 4 market, where games like Alan Wake and Quantum Break are somewhat a dime a dozen because you're going up against the Uncharted's and the and the Last of Us type games and, and the Spider-Man 4, these third-person action games, uh, it's, it's a little more of a competitive kind of field. Whereas if you go over to Xbox, there aren't quite as many of those kinds of games. So in my opinion, I think... Um, an Alan Wake or something of that sort stands out a little more on Xbox than it does on PlayStation. But of course, being multi-platform and, and being available on everything just widens the uh, the pool or the potential player base. So nothing but a good thing for Remedy in this case. But uh, as as someone who was <laughs> secretly 
uh, hoping that maybe one day Remedy would join the Xbox family. It looks like uh, we're getting anything but that, and, and quite the opposite. It looks like Remedy and Microsoft are kind of uh, having a sort of mutual breakup, uh, but somewhat amicably, as we are getting uh, going to continue to get uh, Remedy games on Xbox platforms, as seen with Control, and hopefully that will continue into the future as an Xbox fan who enjoys playing Remedy games. All right, our next story. So, Studio MDHR, the team behind the wildly successful Cuphead, have announced that their upcoming DLC expansion, Delicious Last Course, has been delayed. Initially, it was announced for a 2019 release date, but now we are not uh, going to see that come out this year, uh, which is understandable. The Studio MDHR is an incredibly small staff, although I'm sure since the release of Cuphead and the a massive success they have staffed up quite a bit uh, still it's this game is a huge undertaking the art style alone is incredibly uh time consuming to to create and i can imagine developing a game like this is is incredibly tedious so um no real surprise that the game that the dlc itself was delayed i mean i think the base game itself was delayed years and years out i feel like we were seeing that game and hearing about it for like four years before we finally got it however what i do think is interesting about this story is how the studio cites um you know crunch as the reason for not for deciding to delay the game uh which of course you know in the sense of wanting to assure that quality is there i can understand why they would cite crunch as the, as the concern or the reason for de the delay but in this kind of current uh, game climate where we're constantly talking about you know people being overworked underpaid at studios people working the 100 hour work weeks that that sort of conversation i think this announcement is kind of relevant to that conversation in a sense um this is this is the good pr saying hey we have some bad news we've got a delay on our hands but the good news is that the way we're going to spin this in a PR take is that, uh, you know, we're trying to avoid crunch. We're trying to make sure everyone's healthy uh, and being compensated fairly and being given the kind of work balance, uh, the work-life balance they need in order to not only make this DLC the best it can be, but to also, you know, live happy, prosperous lives because, you know, game developers aren't enslaved to their jobs. They are uh, humans that have families and have other life obligations. So... Uh, not terribly devastating news. I just thought it was interesting how this bit of news could be tied into that conversation uh, that's been ongoing ever since that story broke last fall about Red Dead Redemption. They have announced that the new release date will be sometime in 2020. So I guess sometime in beginning January 1st through December 31st next year, we'll see that happen. Uh, although no reason to get too antsy. There are plenty of other games to play in the meantime. So Cuphead, the delicious last course, has been delayed. Not terribly uh, detailed story, not much to take in otherwise. Uh, so stay tuned if you're looking forward to that game more soon. All right, our next story. All right, our next story is a little more of an interesting take because I'm not quite sure what to make of this. So Player Unknown's Battleground, better known as PUBG, is actually getting a new game. Uh, not, I guess, not a sequel. I don't know how you make a sequel to a... Uh, Battle Royale, but essentially what's happening is they have formed a new studio called Striking Distance, uh, and they have recruited um, Sledgehammer Games' Glenn Schofield, um, who worked on, you know, uh, Call of Duty World War II, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, and then before that, the Dead Space series. Uh, so essentially what they're doing is they're building a single-player, narrative-driven game set in the PUBG universe, uh, which I find extremely interesting because how the hell do you make a story-based game off of PUBG. It's a game that got its life uh, started as a mod of Arma 2 and turned into, I guess, what we consider kind of the precursor of uh, Battle Royale games. So 
Uh, I'm not quite sure how you take a hundred random people thrown into a map fighting for resources and, and trying to be the last man standing into a narrative driven game. But I am actually pretty intrigued to see how this goes considering dead space is a really nice, uh, a really well-regarded narrative driven game. And in my opinion, I think sledgehammer has delivered some of the better call of duties in recent years. Um, as someone who kind of feels like the call of duty campaigns have been steadily on the decline in terms of quality, I think advanced warfare and particularly world war two were actually pretty rock solid, uh, um, call of duty campaigns. Um, so interesting to see how this will turn out. Although it's clear that what this really is, is PUBG's way of kind of saying we need to shift our focus. We're getting our asses kicked by Fortnite, uh, and apex legends. And clearly the player base of this game has to be just slowly dropping off or, or rapidly dropping off rather. So I, I think this is a smart move in an attempt to try to diversify and, find new ways to breathe life into this franchise uh however or to turn it into a franchise and, and breathe life into it via that way however i just don't see how in a kind of logical way they're going to just naturally make a story-driven narrative uh about PUBG. uh however i mean with with the game and the with the premise of PUBG being as just blanket and ambiguous as it is, I guess that leaves all the room in the world for them to kind of go nuts and blue sky the hell out of whatever this game's going to be. Um, and then you know they have some some proven talent backing it up. So uh, you know time will tell as this game is definitely in its like early embryonic stage. Uh, we'll see kind of how striking distance this new studio uh, staffs up and kind of what they can come up with. Uh, I'm sure. And in two years time or something, we'll, we'll see a demo or some trailer showing just what this game is supposed to be. So I'm extremely curious to see whatever the hell they're making. Although I am not holding my breath, uh, in regards to being anything of interest or quality, because there's, again, this is one of those things again, where I just see a million ways this can go wrong. Um, and not, in not many ways that, uh, they can really like pull you know something amazing out of their hat so we'll keep our eyes on this we'll see what happens but uh, just know that PUBG is getting a uh, narrative driven story game in in the coming years and it's being led by the guy behind Dead Space and some of the better late newer Call of Duty games so who knew all right and like I was saying this week is an incredibly short news week uh, maybe due to the holiday uh, maybe due to the fact that now we're a month away from a month past E3, uh, the news is just not there. You know, everyone's, we've talked about all the latest and greatest uh, recently, so we're kind of in that lull. Um, but just, um, we do have one more story, and that is that uh, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft have released a joint statement responding or in regards to the recent uh, trade tariffs with China. Um, and so, to try to avoid this becoming political in any way. This is an interesting situation. Essentially, what's what's happening here is Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo are saying, listen, if you impart these tariffs on the production of Nintendo Switches, Xbox Ones, Xbox Scarlets, PS4s, PS5s, what have you, uh, we are not going to be able to price these consoles competitively, uh, and the U.S. market will not be able to afford this. Um, essentially saying, you know, our industry, like, hinges on these consoles being sold at razor thin margins or sometimes in the case of many consoles being sold at loss i mean I'm not sure how many people know this but outside of nintendo microsoft and sony have historically sold many consoles at a loss they don't make their money by selling you the piece of hardware they make their money because when you buy a video game they get a cut of the licensing 
because I mean, EA has to pay Microsoft for their game being on my, on Xbox or pay PlayStation for having their game be on PlayStation. Um, they make money because you buy first party games, um, but they don't really make money off of you buying Xbox, the console. That's why, that's why we're paying for things like Xbox Live. It's not just server maintenance. It's because they need to find a way to make Xbox profitable somehow, and the money sure as hell is not coming from the box. So essentially what Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony are saying is if you impart these tariffs, if we're not able to produce our consoles, our hardware in China, we're not going to be able to sell these to the U.S. market because despite the intentions of these tariffs, the reality of it is not is just simply that Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo are not going to see are not going to look at China and say, well, it's too expensive to manufacture our consoles in this market. So what are we going to do? Let's build let's build warehouses in the US. Let's create jobs for the American people. Let's let's make our Xboxes in America. Let's let's slap made in the USA on the box and tell people, you know, the Xbox whatever, the Xbox Scarlet is going to cost just a little bit more because you know what it was made in the USA. This isn't going to create jobs. It's just putting a wedge between the US and China, but more important than the politics, it's just going to hurt Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. It's going to it's going to hurt the consumer because it's Essentially, what's going to happen is if a 25% tariff is put on uh, consoles being manufactured in China, um, the Xbox Scarlet is going to go from costing like 400 bucks to 600 bucks. It's the PS4 or the PS5 rather is going to go from costing 500 bucks to 650, 700 bucks. Who knows? The point being that consumers in America can't afford these consoles. The reason why people play video game consoles instead of PC is because it's easy, it's affordable, it's just, it's you just go to Walmart, you buy an Xbox, you plug it into your TV, and there you have video games. But if we make it more difficult by charging out the ass for this hardware, people are not going to have the means to access this content. It's a lose-lose for literally everybody. But the bigger takeaway than it just being a lose-lose is that I think this is such an unrealistic expectation that, that these companies are going to start manufacturing their hardware in the US. The intent is there, I get that. If if you if you're in favor of these these tariffs, if you support it, if you think it's a good idea, that's that's fine. I respect that, but you have to understand the American the American economy is so far past this. People in this country aren't clamoring for jobs in factories producing video game hardware. That's not where the market is. People in the U.S. are generally, no offense, at trying to get higher paying jobs that require higher education. There's not a massive demand that these factories would requ- would require labor wise to justify you know manufacturing this hardware in the States, not to mention that even if they could, even if these companies could manufacture their hardware in the U S it would be so much more expensive than it currently is having these consoles manufactured in China. So while, yeah, the whole intention is, well, make your hardware in the U S so that it's cheaper than making in China, it will still be more expensive than it was before the tariffs existed at all. So again, just this is a lose-lose-lose situation, uh, and it's nice to see Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo kind of come together and say, listen, this can't happen. Uh, we need to band together and really take a stand united against uh, this situation, which, I mean, isn't terribly like hard to fathom that something like this would happen. Uh, it's We don't live in like a day and age where the console wars like are what they were back in like the Sega Nintendo days. I mean, Microsoft and Nintendo, we can see them. We see them play nice all the time. Sony's a little more cold and to themselves reserved, if you will, but they're not, they don't really have a, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily 
bitter or mean towards the competition. They're just usually playing in their in in their own field a little bit, if you will, which makes sense when you're the top dog, when you're the one selling the best. So yeah, the only if I had to look at this situation and explain a circumstance in which this somehow is beneficial, the only thing I can think is that uh, this would be a kind of natural cause to justify, push, and entice people to do more like xCloud type gaming. Because hypothetically, if the if these tariffs were to impose uh, the production process of Xbox hardware, and Microsoft said, hey, here's our new Xbox. We're sorry it costs so much money, but it's so hard to manufacture hardware these days the way we used to because it's really expensive and we have to produce domestically or we have to pay these massive tariffs. That's naturally going to turn off a lot of consumers. So Microsoft can say, well, guess what? You can still play Halo Infinite. You can still play Xbox Scarlet games by streaming them to your phone, by streaming them to your Nintendo Switch, by streaming them to your Xbox One, by streaming them to your computer. Because xCloud's a thing. You can play your games anywhere. All you got to do is have an Xbox Live subscription, a Game Pass subscription. All you got to do is have your personal accounts and your subscriptions with Xbox services. Uh, so, I mean, obviously in the future, uh, that could prove beneficial for xCloud. Although, again, just to really, I should have prefaced with this, these are extreme circumstances. I don't see this becoming a real problem. I don't see this really happening. I think at the end of the day, um, this will prove to be more scare than anything, and nothing's really going to come of it. I'm sure at in the end of the day, um, these tariffs are not going to impose the video game industry. I can't see how they would. It would devastate this industry, uh, and I think you'll see... Uh, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo continue to be able to produce their own hardware or manufacture their hardware, rather, um, in China as they have uh, since the beginning of these brands. So let me know what you think about that one. I, that one's a little crazy. It's a little more what if, uh, a lot of like possibilities, but still unlikely to happen. So that is going to do it for the news this week. I told you short news week, um, not much to it, but uh, the show must go on anyway. So there it is. Now we're going to move on to our next segment, which is the new game releases. So last week I did kind of a thing I, a lot of podcasts I listen to do where you just kind of read the list of new games and then kind of go through the descriptions and explain what they are a little bit. I think that didn't really work well for this podcast because that's usually something that works fun when you have like a panel of podcast hosts to kind of play off one another and discuss the games. But me sitting here in front of the microphone just reading the games uh, and their descriptions, I think, was a little dry. So this week I'm going to try something a little different. Um, I figured I'd try to make make some kind of fun segment out of listing off the new game releases of the week. So kind of in the spirit of the olden days where we didn't ha use the internet to learn about new video games, I'm going to uh, pull up the new game release list from XboxWire.com. And I'm basically just going to say the name of the game and then look at the singular uh, screenshot of the game and kind of give you a description of what the game is based off my assumptions looking at the screenshot. I think it'll be a little a little bit of fun uh, and it'll be kind of a callback to the days of Game Informer and Nintendo Power when you would learn about a new game by looking through these magazines and reading a paragraph and looking at a screenshot and saying, well, I hope it's good because it looks good and not really having a concrete idea of what it was because you didn't have trailers or E3 presentations or Twitch streamers showing it off or whatever it is we have these days. So uh, I thought this would be a fun way to kind of go through the game releases. So we're going to start with that. New for the week of July 3rd to July 5th, coming to the Xbox uh, first game on the list is Illusion of Lafalcia. Illusion of Lafalcia. I hate that title. 
Very Japanese. Um, so this is an Xbox Play Anywhere title, and what I'm seeing here in this uh, one screenshot is uh, a PlayStation 1 graphics. We see a bunch of anime boys, and they are in stance ready to attack said dragon. Uh, this looks to be some form of turn-based combat, so I'm going to say it's akin to a uh, Final Fantasy JRPG-style game. Uh, it looks like in this game you will be able to make parties of multiple anime characters who have a variety of hairstyles ranging from spiky blue hair to long blonde hair uh, to wavy red hair um, and your characters will also be able to dress up like animals kind of akin to furries so you'll be able to wear leopard masks and in elephants and things like that um, so this game is definitely a JRPG fan game for fans of uh, of, of spiky colored hair and uh, for furries alike. And so that is Illusion of Lafalcia. Just, yeah, if you love Final Fantasy, if you love uh, animal people, you might want to check that game out. All right, the second game is Ovivo. This is an Xbox One X enhanced game coming out on July 3rd. Uh, and what we're seeing here in the screenshot is a bunch of triangle shapes, uh, like uh, like uh, blade shapes. It's all black and white, very uh, kind of kind of vague looking, um, uh, just kind of vague looking kind of screenshot here. I'm not, not quite sure what to make of this. Um, so basically what you're going to do in this game is you're going to, um, you're going to kind of fit the shapes together. You're going to kind of move the triangles, which look uh, very similar to Triforces. You're going to be able to fit these together, um, to create pathways for your tiny little character that it looks like a, a little speck, a little dot to kind of crawl through pathways and proceed throughout stages. Um, and what, what's really special about this game is you're going to have to use two different types of shapes to create one common shape in order to complete pathways and to unlock new areas of the map. So this is a game for people who were like really big fans of like that toy you play with as a, as a baby where you got to like take the circle block and put it in the circle hole, the triangle block and the triangle hole. If you liked that toy when you were like seven months old, I think you're really going to like this game. It's really, really awesome. It's called Ovivo and uh, yeah, check it out. Okay, our third game is called Stranger Things 3, The Game. It comes out July 4th, which is a very American day for a very American game. So what I'm seeing in the screenshot is a kind of retro, like, uh, 8, 8, 16x-esque uh, bit style game. Uh, there's some kids who have some supernatural powers. They seem to be in some kind of uh, emergency room. There's some x-rays on the wall. And so what I'm guessing this game is about is that um, you're going to be able to basically... Um, use your like telekinesis powers or your very supernatural powers to control nurses and doctors to basically do whatever you want them to do. So you'll be able to, you know, control a doctor and have him perform uh, the wrong surgery on a patient or, or control the nurse and have her go to the cafeteria and get you jello because you know, the, the cafeteria in the hospital has a lot of jello and you'll be able to do like really awesome things like that. Um, so I'm assuming that this game is all about, you know, using your powers to get other people to do awesome things for you like that. Um, but judging by the screenshot, it looks like it takes place mostly in a hospital. So yeah, you'll definitely be doing a lot of, uh, you definitely be manipulating the medical industry a lot. All right. The next game on the list is attack on Titan Two: final battle. This comes out on July 5th. Um, and judging by the screenshot here, it looks like we've got another anime boy. Now, this anime boy's got two pistols, two guns of some sort, and they're firing the pistols at the back of this giant that has a very muscular body. And, and I must explain this. What I mean by muscular body is 
these muscles are bulging out so much to where the skin of this giant has ripped off entirely and you can see the the muscles the muscle tissue just it's disgusting it's really quite disturbing um but yeah this anime boy is is quite aware that this is a disturbing sight and so he is shooting the titan or the giant or whatever this is uh in an effort to say you're ugly no one wants you here go away uh it is quite literally an attack on titan and i think the reason why it's called attack on titan 2 is because the anime boy is holding two guns instead of one um so yeah he's really going all out on this uh, on this ugly giant um, next game called Hero Express, uh, and what we have here is like a, a colorful little um, bit eight, uh, art style game. This looks kind of like one of those educational games you might have played on the computer as a child, uh, and it shows like some weird kind of like family RV type vehicle um, driving on like this hilly kind of terrain looking almost akin to like a Sonic the Hedgehog level. I don't know what to make of this. Uh, but yeah, it's a tropical setting. Uh, and then it looks like the HUD display shows like um, how far you are away to the finish line uh, and kind of like your gas and your RPMs and your speedometer. So this looks to be like Sonic the Hedgehog meets uh, a racing game. So, but not like a Sonic racing game, like Team Sonic Racing. This is like a uh, this is like Cruisin' USA meets Sonic the Hedgehog, but with no Sonic characters. So, um, yeah, you're going to be 2D side-scrolling racing, uh, but along the way you have to collect coins. So if you're really a big fan of these racing games that are like Sonic, you know, games where you're fast but you're not Sonic, which are just racing games, I think you're really going to check, really gonna like this game. Uh, it is Xbox One X enhanced, so you're going to get incredible graphics. You're going to see this uh, 8-bit art style just come to life um, with the power of the Xbox One X. So if you like powerful games where you go very fast and it's in a Sonic universe, but you're not Sonic, instead you are an RV trying to get somewhere tropical on this family vacation, I really think you're going to want to check this game out. Um, so yeah, that is Hero Express. All right, we just got uh, two more left here um, before there's a wrap on the new game releases of the week. So our penultimate uh, option this week is called Sea of Solitude. It's coming out on July 5th, Friday, July 5th. Now, this game is a little interesting. It looks like you're a silhouette character with a backpack on, so you don't really see much of your silhouette. If I had to guess, it looks like some some young woman uh, with bird feathers on her back, so I'm assuming that... One of her parents was probably a bird. The other parent was probably human. I don't mean to assume. I don't mean to be offensive, but uh, by the looks of it, I think that's what we're seeing here. Now, she is in a kind of ruined universe, a kind of post-apocalyptic setting. We see some uh, ripped up train tracks and walls kind of crumbling down. We see like this train uh, that looks like it's being like just uh, kind of abandoned and de decaying, decrepit. It's uh, it's it's quite it's quite. Um, ominous really and in the distance if you look closely there's another silhouette figure and uh, that our silhouette in the foreground is staring at and i would if i had to guess this is probably a friend of hers because the main character seems to be staring at this uh, this distant silhouette figure um so perhaps she's going to use her uh, bird-like qualities to fly over to him. So this is a game I'm going to totally recommend to people who like decrepit abandoned places, uh, birds, and uh, uh, nondescript characters. So that is Sea of Solitude. It is absolutely worth taking a look at if you like any of those things mentioned above. And now on to the very last game coming out this week. Uh, the game is called They Are Billions. It's coming out Friday, July 5th. And now this game, it looks like an RTS. So if you ever played like a 
a Warcraft or Starcraft or, or Age of Empires or whatever. Uh, very much looks like an RTS in that vein. You see a lot of units. I don't know if you're controlling these units or if you're attacking these units, but you see, I mean, like there's got to be well over 100 units on the screen and they are attacking a fortress. So uh, what I'm seeing here is just honestly, if you are a very controlling person, um, if you're the kind of person who likes to lead armies into battle and doesn't really have much regard for the lives and the well-being of others, I think this is a game for you because, honestly, judging by the number of enemies on the screen, it looks like a lot of people are going to die in this game. So if you love games where people will die at your expense and that you have to take responsibility for these the lives of these people, I think this is going to be a game for you, quite honestly. Um, yeah, it just looks like there's tons of death happening on screen. Uh, there's a fortress that is being just completely evaded, invaded and, and attacked. Um, there are some turrets mount, not, mounted on this uh, fortress that are attacking the enemies. Um, however, it doesn't look like they're doing much much damage. So yeah, if, again, if you really love watching just armies be destroyed and decimated um, in an isometric or a kind of um, low art kind of style game, I'm going to have to highly recommend this game. Also, uh, it does seem to be um, a little a little bipolar terrain-wise. We've got a lot of icy snow caps, but we've also got some patches of greenery. So if you like climates, if you like living in places where it can be cold one place and then you walk 100 feet and it's I it's icy hot, um, then I think this is a game for you, you know, it's... Uh, uh, I believe they call that California, you know, where it's hot in the day and cold at night. So if you're a Californian and you love watching armies get decimated, I'm going to highly recommend They Are Billions coming out Friday. Uh, it's a, Honestly, at this point, I've talked myself into it. It's a must play. You have to play They Are Billions. All right, and that's going to do it for the new game releases coming out. We will wrap up today talking a little bit about our new our latest games coming to Game Pass. So, <clears throat> a little Mountain Dew white out for you. So, coming to Game Pass this week, Microsoft actually recently had a Xbox Game Pass showcase on July 20 on sorry, on June 27th. So, just barely missed it after last week's episode. Uh, but they recapped a bunch of new games coming to Xbox Game Pass. So, I'm just going to scroll through and mention a couple of them real quick because there are tons of new games coming to Game Pass, and some of them are actually pretty notable. Yeah, just tons of them. Now, it doesn't really specify exactly when these games are coming out, which is a little obnoxious, but I would assume, uh, judging by the article, that these are like in the near future. So, coming to Game Pass soon, uh, we've got, I'll just scroll through and name a couple, Bad Bad North, Marginarium, Time Spinner, Undertale. Uh, I know that's a vastly popular game coming to Game Pass. So if you haven't checked that out, that's a big one. Pathologic 2, Secret Neighbor, uh, another one. I think that's... a uh, rather recent game uh, i know that one's pretty popular as well coming to game pass uh bro force is coming to game pass the 2d sorry that 2d side scrolling shooter uh which i i'm, I'm gonna check out because i meant to check that out when it came out so that's exciting uh hotline miami thank god i wanted to play this game for so long i don't know why i haven't gotten around to it uh but it's actually coming to game pass for pc so i'm absolutely gonna check that out so that is one i highly recommend uh, looking into the messenger another like metroidvania style game uh that i think came out last year coming to game pass totally worth checking out um even though i haven't played it i'm just saying because i think it looks really really good uh that's coming to xbox game pass on pc how to full boyfriend is coming i know a couple years ago that that game was making the rounds a little bit it's one of those uh anime dating sims but there's like birds in it and stuff and it's just Looks wacky as all hell. Um, definitely worth checking out. Uh, Way of the Woods is coming. So just tons and tons of new games. Uh, I mean, like Undermine, Creature in the Well. Let's see. Star Renegades, Unto the End, Night Call, Felix the Reaper, 
Dead Static, I Can Fall, Worms, WM, WMD. So just tons and tons of new games coming to Game Pass. So, you know, take be sure to keep an eye out. Banner Saga 3, Yoku's Island Express, which is that weird like Metroidvania mini golf game that was really popular on Switch when it came out like a year or two ago. Um, so yeah, tons and tons of awesome games coming to Game Pass. Be on the lookout. That library should be growing quite a bit in the coming weeks. And as we make our way into July, that can only mean one thing for Xbox fans, which is games with gold. New free video games to Xbox Live gold subscribers. So if you have an Xbox with Xbox Live, in the month of July, you'll be getting the following Xbox One games for free. Limbo and Big Crown Showdown. Limbo, play it, play it, play it, play it, play it. Uh, Limbo is fantastic. You may have heard of Inside, which was the more recent game, which is the more recent game from the Limbo creators. Uh, excellent game. Excellent, excellent, excellent game. It's one of those games I don't want to talk about because I don't want to spoil anything. Everyone should go in and play a game blind. It is a wonderful game, uh, and that should be available uh, throughout the entirety of the month. And then the other game, Big Crown Showdown, I actually know nothing about this game. It's apparently some kind of um, multiplayer brawler, um, but that's going to be available starting July 16th through August 15th. It's going to be the, the Xbox One game that comes in the later half of the month. So both of those games are coming to Games with Gold this month, um, but also, of course, you get Xbox 360 games. Pretty notable new addition uh, for the month of July. You'll be able to get your hands on Castlevania Symphony of the Night, uh, which will be available from July 1st through July 15th. Uh, that's a pretty big win. I mean, if you've played any Metroidvania-style game, you'll know that Castlevania Symphony of the Night is is one of the two games that that genre is largely inspired by, the other being Super Metroid. So if you never played Castlevania Symphony of the Night, I mean, it's just one of those games that makes everyone's must-play list. It's a classic. It's, a, it's an institution, if you will. So it's free. You might as well at least download it. So if you ever decide to play it, it's there. Um, but yeah, that is X, the that is July's Games with Gold lineup. And now to uh, wrap up today's show, we'll talk about my Game Pass Spotlight Game of the Week. Uh, and so this week, the game I've chosen to focus on for spot for Game Pass Spotlight is called Neon Chrome. Uh, it's by Ten Tons Limited. So this is a twin stick shooter game with roguelike elements, uh, which I feel like you know we hear roguelike elements a lot these days. What does that even mean? So basically, it's like a randomly generated, randomly randomly generated levels. So you start at like the bottom of this tower, and the first floor is level one, and you have to work all the way up to level one hundred. And these levels are pretty fast. You know, they're like five minute levels, if even that. And every time you die, you have to start back from level one and work your way back up hopefully to level 100, the the, the top of the tower. Um, but the, the twist is every time you play, the levels are a little bit differently. They're or a little bit different. They're procedurally generated. So you never can get the same level twice. So really the game is about mastering kind of the mechanics of the game uh, and the weapons and everything and not so much memorizing like kind of your strategy for, level, for every level because it's never going to be the same thing. So uh, this game's a lot of fun because I just love twin stick shooters. The art styles are really awesome. It's got like a cool like, 80s vibe. It tries to go for that thing. I think it pulls it off really well. Uh, but just most importantly, the combat feels really tight. Uh, the the shooting mechanics are great. I just Twin stick shooters are great. Xbox One's a great platform for twin stick shooters. If you have Xbox Game Pass, this is... You know, this isn't like one of the biggest hits, but it's definitely something worth checking out um, if you enjoy these kinds of games and and haven't seen this one yet. Um, I think a lot of these kinds of games can get buried when 
you know, these like eight and 16 bit inspired games can be so prevalent in the indie game scene. Um, and you can just be so overloaded with all these Metroidvanias and twin stick shooters and, and RPGs coming out left and right that are inspired by these classic kind of genres and classic games. Uh, but this I think is one that stands out a little bit and is definitely worth taking a look. Uh, the guns are really cool. Every time you die, you get to change your loadout. Um, and there's just a lot of really like interesting kind of, uh, obstacles and, and, and things to, to shoot at. It's just a really fun game. So recommend it. Neon Chrome on Game Pass. And with that, we are going to be done with this week of Xbox On. I appreciate you listening. See what I mean? We somehow made it to the 50-minute mark so far, although I am going to edit the episode down, so it won't be 50 minutes when it goes up. I don't know how the hell this episode is as long as it is. We had like four news stories, but hey, if you listened, I appreciate your time. Uh, as always, you know, follow me on Twitter at Second Best Rock if you want to keep up with me throughout the week on any other platform. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a nice review. It helps a lot because I really, really, really want to see this show grow and eventually get to a point where we have enough consistently uh, listenership that we can start incorporating um, user questions and things like that because I'd really love for a podcast to be more of a conversation between me and the audience rather than just me talking into the void and hoping to God someone's on the other end listening. So let me know what you thought about the show. Uh, tell me constructive commentary. If you have anything, uh, compliment me, make me feel good about myself or uh, keep your mouth shut if you have anything bad to say. And uh, again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for uh, episode four of Xbox On.